Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week we travel to Ukraine. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, the listeners, vote for your favourites. And at our live event, we will crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. Hello, Matt. Hello, Monty. How are we? Really good. Did you mess up that opening just then? Yeah, I did. But they won't know that because I've edited it. (laughs) (laughs) The magic of... Podcast. One day, blah, blah. one day, I will, I will maybe release some audio that I've kept where we've messed up badly, and it's hilarious. Oh, yeah, I know. I will do it one day, but not, not today. So oh, you're fine. So you, didn't, you didn't tell me there were that my bloopers were on the on the floor. <laughs> Both of us. Some of them are quite bad. In fact, some of them won't air. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> some of them won't see daylight. But yeah, you know. Anyway, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> How are you? Good. I am in a very Ukrainian mood today. Oh, you know. Yeah. What's got you in that mood? Just feeling very supportive and sort of like, you know, yeah, I'm in the mood for this. Absolutely. I mean, of course, we're hugely supportive of Ukraine and the struggles that they are experiencing at the moment. Struggles which started just after the national final, unfortunately. Well, I mean, actually escalated after the national final. There was conflict with Russia for many, many years before that. But yes, we are going to have a look back at the Ukrainian national final, pick our highlights and pick one of those songs that we think deserves a second chance. The Ukrainian national final was a single show this year. It took place in the NAU Centre of Culture and Arts in Kiev on 12th of February 2022. It was hosted by Maria Efrosnina and Timur Mironyshenko, who was hosting backstage. I know a few of our friends who would like Timur to host backstage. (laughs) (laughs) Not just host. (laughs) The voting was 50-50, jury and televoting, and there were eight songs. I think it's worth reflecting that this final took place just 12 days before Russia invaded Ukraine and the backdrop to this was that we had Russian troops building up on the border for weeks before and we knew something was going to happen so there was a little bit of defiance about this and a little bit of well you know what's going to happen but you know thank goodness they got this national final in. The jury members were former Eurovision entrants Tina Carroll and Jamala, and the third person was Yaroslav Lodihin, who was the chairman of the organising committee of the Vidbir, which is the name of the Ukrainian national final. Tina Carroll and Jamala also performed as guests in the final, along with Goe, the Ukrainian act from 2021, who had finished fifth and had a big hit with Shum. The final was won by Elena Pash. Uh, who won the competition. However, she is not the Ukrainian entrant for 2022. 
It was later revealed um, that she, one of her representatives, had provided the broadcaster with falsified certificate of her travel history, and she had been in Crimea after Russia had annexed it. So she withdrew. Um, although I think she was also withdrawn. I think she, you know, it was a double, uh, double action there. Um, and the runners-up, Kalush Orchestra, were announced as the winner, and they went on to compete and win Eurovision 2022. They won with, of course, the biggest ever televote score, 439 televote points in the final of a possible 468 so it's 93.8% of the available votes <laughs> that i think there were only six five or six countries that didn't give it the 12 and most of those give it a 10 or an 8 except for serbia serbia is the only one who didn't give it an 8 or more fourth with the juries um but that combined to an overall score of 631 and an unassailable lead Absolutely huge. They also won the semi-final with 337 points. Again, their televote was huge, 202 points of a possible 216. So again, 93.5% of the available televote in the semi-final as well. Uh, third with the juries. I think this was the result that most people expected. I didn't. I actually thought they weren't going to do it. But... It makes sense that they did. And who could deny them that victory, really? It was a real moment of pan-European solidarity with a nation absolutely in distress. Yeah, I think we're back to the values of Eurovision. Why was this set up in the first place? What sort of themes were coming out of very the early, early contests back in the 50s and 60s where it really was about collaboration and mutual respect for your neighbours that you might not have very little in common with. We said a lot more about the final when we did our review show of the um, of our postcards from Turin. So yeah. you can check that out on the website or on your podcast or give it another listen because I'm sure you've listened to it already. <laughs> so that was... Oh, we haven't had a blast of the winning song. Let's have, let's have a little blast of it. Orchestra there with Stefanie, an enormous hit from Eurovision 2022. Let's have a look at what else was in the final. So there were eight songs in the national final and we have selected some of them for you. The first one that we are going to hear is Demons by Michael Soule. Matt. Well, <clears throat> Michael was the backing singer, I found out, actually, 
literally before we hit record, for Navi Band in 2017 for Belarus, obviously. Uh, I, 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 yeah, it's just funny, this little trivia that you pick up. Yes, and I, of course, was the backing dancer for Navi Band in 2017 because I appeared on screen during the performance. There you go. In the semi-final and the final. Check it out. You will see me dancing. <laughs> the camera cuts to me. My my moment of fame. <laughs> <laughs> you is an entrant right then, Monty. Uh, I, I love the androgyny of Michael. The, that glam rock look that he's got on stage. It actually wouldn't look out of place in one skin, actually. Um, it's like a fetching royal blue trouser suit with like this... I don't know, it's a diamante-encrusted corset or whether that's stitched into the actual suit itself, but it looks like, well, to give the perception of, a corset. Uh, it's really, really, really queer. I love it. The song is quite moody and dark. Um, reminds me of the 90s sort of Brit-pop, not Brit-pop, but the Brit-indie bands at the time, like your Swedes and your... Mm-hmm. They're kind of like the real indie stuff. When dark eyeliner was a staple diet. Uh, <laughs> uh, Having Michael in Vidbeer is great to see, but the song does get forgotten a little bit, unfortunately, for me. It's got that kind of sort of electronic beat, but I think with a slightly harder edge to it. This is quite dark. Um, obviously, he's singing about, you know, the demons that exist in, in our own heads. Um, you know, how they come out at night and scare you from inside, the lyrics go. Um, but I think it's it's really interesting that, you know, he goes, switches from singing about our demons in the last chorus to singing about I'm your demon. So it takes a, a turn for the macabre. Mm. I, I do like the presentation of this. There's some kind of wobbly, watery reflection type uh, effects going on with the lighting. Um, there's a dancer who comes out with sort of, you know, a, it looks like a bear torso, but it's actually got a body stocking, which covers his head and his face as well. And he does some jerky dancing that's almost like he's being shot by a gun. Um, and there's what looks like blood stains on the top of the garment, which, of course, is made to look in like a nude effect. So it looks as though it's blood stains across his chest um, when he's singing it. Um, so, yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of darkness going on with this. But I do like the way it's zhuzhed up uh, and it's got that silver bodice like corset uh, on his uh, the top of his trouser suit. Yeah, I liked it. And I like that. There's this queer aesthetic coming in. I really think this shows the contrast between the the traditional values that a country can be judged by and known for. Uh, and we know there is, you know, a pocket of opposition still and quite strong opposition to things like pride events and LGBT visibility um, in Ukraine. But also at the same time, the younger generation is really changing their opinions and the civil society, the NGOs and the the, the LGBT community organisations are gaining strength in Ukraine. I met uh, many of them when I went there um, ahead of Eurovision in 2017. And it was great to hear, you know, that, that, that increasing visibility, increasing acceptance. Um, and I think things like this, you know, where you've got that visibility coming into a massive cultural event, mm. I think is a really positive indicator for where Ukraine goes after the war. Song number two then is Roxolana with Girls. You know I feel when I see you dead. 
Monty, girls with about a million Zs at the end. Uh, what do you think? Girls. <laughs> there's a, yes, there's a, there's only one vowel in that. Oh, long name. <laughs> um, I, I like this. It's a nice up-tempo, catchy song. Um, feels quite defiant. Feels like it's got a slight feminist um, quality to it. Although, um, it is, that does belie the fact that the lyrics are, she just wants to be loved by you, uh, which perhaps is not quite so feminist. Um, but it's about the, um, the need for love and it's about the, the, the desire to have fun as well in finding it. Um, and yeah, I just, I really like this. It's, um, it's got, you know, the lyrics are girls just want to have fun. So it's got that nod to lyrically to, to Cindy Lauper and that time. Um, Roxolana is backed by five, uh, backing dancers and there's a really nice, flavour of Slavic pop throughout the chorus. It's not a Slavic pop song throughout the whole song, but there's just something which gives it that little flavour in the chorus. And I think to me that elevates it uh, quite nicely. There's a strange lyric, I think you almost drawing on um, you know, um folk song, folk traditions here. It's um it's about the cuckoo. Oichovo Zovulje, which is about the cuckoo, the cuckoo forging. <laughs> Whatever that means. A forging cuckoo, so it's got with its little wings a massive a forge hammer thing. I don't know. I don't know. Oichovo Zavulo Kovala. The cuckoo was forged. <laughs> okay. Why not? But I think that's got that flavour of, you know, Go A last year there was, you know, lots of songs about the spring and the the, the nature and you know, it, it's it's in that very it's in that folk tradition which is really strong in Ukrainian culture. Mm. I really love the start of this with the orange lasers as like backlighting, like coming like just sort of like pounding out from her. Um, and some red LED designs, which are kind of like fire motifs and different sort of like flames and stuff all over the stage. Um, actually, just a word on that. The Vidbeer stage is incredible. Like the tech, considering all the other national finals, it absolutely just is pretty fucking major. I would say it rivals Melfest in terms of tech. Like what you get on stage. Honestly, that is exceptional. Perhaps on stage, I don't think it comes across with the slickness of a TV production. Oh no, Melfest looks on screen, but you're talking about the 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 setup of the stage and what yeah. it offers uh, an artist in terms of the lighting and the effects, etc. Yeah, like the the yeah. theatrical, the vis the visual stuff on stage, because obviously Melfest is in a massive arena mm-hmm. and they've got different stuff. Where Vidbeer that isn't actually a massive uh, studio. I think it's got a great. B, it's well-produced track, and she's an excellent performer. It's let down a little bit by the lyrics, a little bit. I do like the nod to sort of some of the known tropes and female empowerment, but I don't know, it's a bit let let down. But I let that off because I can't write a word in Ukrainian. But I needed something to get hooked on here, and I couldn't quite find it lyrically, but the song itself does move me. I like how she looked as well. White trouser suit, was very cool. And then at the end, there was like this sunset, this sun behind a moon type, not sunset, but it was, yeah, it was like an eclipse and it just looked stunning. Mixed feelings here for this. I I really like it. There's so much good stuff going on though. I think as fun as that is, that wouldn't have had the impact at Eurovision that Kalush had. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think this would have won Eurovision if it was there. Mm-hmm. The next song is Nozzy Bossy by Wellboy. Oh, no. 
So, that Nozzy Bossy means barefoot. Oh, does it? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I mean, there was a song. Yeah. There was no bare feet on stage. Oh, was there? Maybe the girls? I don't think so. It's in the lyrics. It's about, <laughs> it's, it's got that sense of always being a village boy at heart and how he's walking along, um, you know, he's walking barefoot and he's, you know, striving forwards, I guess. Um, I really like this. There's a lot going on on stage. It's a, <laughs> it's a, a blast of colour on stage, a blast of yellows and oranges. Um, and again, it's sort of drawing on that folk tradition. The costumes are just so much fun. He's wearing a little orange leopard print jacket. Uh, he's wearing a little bonnet and he's got a big sunflower on his jacket as well. But the backing singers or dancers are just gorgeous. They're sort of head to toe in yellow, but with a, a look of that Ukrainian national dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of quite folkloric. And they're dancing around him and they're spinning on a plinth. And I just really, it's got such a nice, upbeat, feel good factor to it. I can, you can imagine him sort of waltzing down the country road, just carefree, you know, bare feet. I think it wavers dangerously close to novelty for novelty's sake. That, you know, that thing that we don't like with that look at me, aren't I being silly? But he has enough, he has enough bohemian charm to pull off like that slight sort of whimsical, playful sort of vibe that he's given off. I think he, he I think he pulls it off. And it, when we were watching it back, we watched it just before we hit record, and it put me in mind of, um, well, if you imagine if this was a Gwen Stefani song, go back a couple and just listen to the song again or bring it up on YouTube, whatever. Just listen to it with, imagine this is a Gwen Stefani song, and suddenly you think, fucking hell, that's... It's got attitude, it's got, you know, um, a real uh, personality to it. And I feel like, yeah, there's actually more of a song here than maybe the, the, the presentation belies. I think it showcases his artistry more than it moves you to like the song. So I think it's more about him than the song itself. I don't have too much of a problem with that. It's one of those great national final entries, but not for Eurovision. You said whimsical there as well. I think that whimsy, it reminds me of um, the song um, Accent by Milky, which was for Belarus, which won Second Cherry in 2015. And again, you've got this presentation that's, you know, the, the Ukrainian country lasses dancing around and singing around in that, you know, traditional, the, the, the feel of the traditional, but actually, you know, a little bit more modern. And there's something of that in this as well it's something that we don't get in the uk our pop music and our sort of more mainstream artists i'm not saying like your big big artists mm-hmm. that we're known internationally i mean just our main pop music doesn't really fuse the traditional like a lot of other european countries in no. the same way and you get it all over eastern europe yeah I mean, i'm thinking of um you know the milkmaids from poland um, Cleo and Donatan. I'm thinking of, you know, a good old horror from Moldova, you know, and I'm thinking of, you know, songs like Go A and songs like this, you know, that just really bring those traditional and folk flavours into them. Uh, I, I'm all for it. I absolutely love it. I mean, what would we bring in in the UK? A bit of Eisteddford and Morris Dancing <laughs> well, and no, some I, bagpipe? <laughs> I don't know, maybe like, yeah, well, maybe like some Cornwall... Folky. Actually, I have to say, 
early, early Ed Sheeran was very much the folk aspect, which you, obviously you don't get any of that now. He's way too big. But yeah, that, we just don't do it that well in this country. And it, it saddens me, actually, because we've, we've got a lot of folk. There's a lot of folk tradition and, you know, Anglo-Saxon type stuff. There's loads of stuff that we could draw from. Indeed. I quite like a twang around the campfire. <laughs> Four times this week, dude. Chance <laughs> <laughs> will be a fine thing. Song number four, then. Our final song that we're going to talk about today is the song that we mentioned before. She did win Vidbeer, but she didn't go to Eurovision. Therefore, she's eligible for Second Cherry. It's Alina Pash with Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors. Oh, my sister's Monty, how do you see this in Ukrainian? Just There you go. Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors. There's so much ancestral history in this song. Wow. This absolutely evokes the national spirit, the common ancestral history, this imagery of the fatherland, the traditions of Ukrainian literature, the shared history. I mean, this is laying it on thick. You can absolutely see why the audience and the jury responded to this at that particular time in what was happening in Ukraine. This is the most Ukrainian thing that ever Ukrainianed, okay? Uh, it's, it's part song, part soundscape, part folky lament. And you're right, you said the word invoke. It does. It's quite melodic and pleasing to the ear. I am gripped every time I listen to this. It is gripping. But it it's, you know, and it says a lot more than just silly you know song competition you know uh there's a lot more going on here obviously it is like she's invoking the memory of her ancestors literally there's sort of like sounds that she's making the cries the the yells as per the song title the lyrics really bring that home as well and they're the way that they're written i mean i don't speak ukrainian but there's a similarity to russian here so i can understand the kind of the the, the way that things are being emphasized in this and it's just beautiful uh, shadows of our forgotten ancestors mine and yours so there's that collective uhness about this in our chronicles our hearts our eyes our blood forever through century and century I mean wow this is this is heavy, but beautifully, beautifully so. And this takes on such a resonance when you think about where Ukraine is at at the moment. This is deep and you can understand why people loved it. 
And musically, she blends styles. So she, there's even, you know, it feels like there's a bit of rap, there's spoken word. In English? In, in English, in the, in the middle. So, you know, she's clearly thinking about how she wants to, to connect with that international audience and, and convey some of this um, over. And it's bilingual throughout. There's Ukrainian and, um, and English uh, lyrics right the way through it. It's incredibly powerful incredibly powerful and that's only it that when you talk about four songs monty because there were other songs that we felt these were the you know the the cream of the crop really so before we announce who is the ukrainian cherry a very important ukrainian cherry there's this matt and monty's good thing of the week that is good it's good oh that's good that is so good thing of the week that is good ooh, that's good that is, is our segment where we want to highlight positive things. There's lots of crap on social media, lots of people talking a lot of shit, let's be honest. And this is our little positivity segment. And this week, we're going to kind of stick with the UK after last week, just one more time, because we cannot ignore the meteoric, spaceman-like rise of Sam Ryder. Now, Monty... Yes, we know what he did at Eurovision. Everybody knows what he did at Eurovision. But since then, he has like sang the national anthem at the F1. He's been on part of the Jubilee celebrations at Buckingham Palace. He's he's been like he's everywhere, and it is so bloody nice to see that somebody who did Eurovision well right now, a month after at least, has a lot going for them career wise. And still hanging around in the charts as well. I mean, still getting a lot of airplay. It's absolutely lovely to see this because we're so used to kind of, you know, calling anybody who doesn't win Eurovision, oh, a Eurovision flop. Um, You know, and I think, you know, I think the Brits feel like we all, we kind of won in a way, you know. I mean, especially if we do get to host. We didn't win. Obviously, that win is rightly Ukraine's, but we came second and people just seem to have found this just wonderful. You know, people who normally don't give two hoots about Eurovision are absolutely made up at the fact that we came second at so many years. It really is lovely. I'm bowled over by the response that Sam's got and, you know, the fact that he has been adopted as a bona fide, cherished artist. When I went back to work, apart from the whole political debate... Uh, I was asked it, it's funny how the questions of what people need to know about my experience at Eurovision from like you know everyday person who's not a Eurovision fan was oh what's Sam Ryder like what's he like you met him what's he like you know and I thought that's really interesting not like oh you know what do you think of our nil points you know it, it was just they wanted to know who he was what was he like and um, what what did all everyone who wasn't UK from the UK at Eurovision what were they saying about him on the ground and and I thought that's an interesting take they were interested in him as an artist and uh, I'm all for that supporting our artists going forward which is what we're doing Monty because we've bought tickets for him uh, at the end of the year we have to go and see him live which I'm really excited about because I've yeah, only heard good things it's going to be good it's going to be fantastic he's so, fantastic so nice to have somebody Eurovision related to cherish. I mean, for me, with Kate Bush being number one, again, when we record this, I mean, a Eurovision success and 
my favourite artist ever, scoring her second number one after 44 years. I cannot get enough of the joy that is there in music at the moment for me. It's lovely. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, Monty, all that's left now is to announce the winner of this episode. What song have we selected to be the Ukrainian cherry this year? Well, we have selected... Well, this song has probably selected itself. It is Alina Pash with Tini Zabutik Prudkiv, Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors. All my sisters of my brothers The winner of Vidbir, but not the Ukrainian entrant at Eurovision. We just loved this as a as a team. Uh, it had so much power, and it just feels like this has to be her opportunity to go into a, a different competition. But I would also say, Monty, take away the fact that she won Vidbir and then lost her opportunity. This is the only other song in the mix, for me, that... I think would have won Eurovision this year. If this went to Eurovision, it would have won. And I can't say that about any other song in this in this national selection apart from Kalush Orchestra, obviously. Yeah. Although at the time I didn't say that, but now, now knowing what now knowing what I know, yes, I don't yeah. think any other song would have. This would have. I think both songs resonate so much. They've taken on uh, meaning in Ukraine. They've taken on that resonance, and we 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 have greater empathy with the country and with the people now and we're all celebrating Ukrainian heritage um, and therefore I think this would have been taken to heart just as much but for different reasons musically than Kadish Orchestra was. I think this could have been the Eurovision winner. So there we are, that's our Ukrainian cherry. Monty, people want to talk to us, maybe, apparently. They do, yes. Do get in touch by the time we record the next episode. We will hopefully have some comments from you that we can read out. So contact us back at Twitter on Second Cherry, Instagram Second Underscore Cherry, Facebook Second Cherry Podcast, and email us on hello at secondcherry.vision. That's hello at secondcherry.vision. That's right. We'd love to hear from you. Please do get in touch. We'll be back next week with, as yet, an undecided country. Undecided because we're undecided. (laughs) We have selected songs, though. We're we're, we're cooking with gas this year. Yeah, we've got a lot of songs selected already in the bag, but we're going to see in which order we're going to reveal them to. We're going to tease you. (laughs) We'll leave them with that thought. Uh, (laughs) See you later. See you next week. Bye. Bye.